Best way to connect with me personally is to add me on LinkedIn. Uh, that description you can see on the profile. Uh, so connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, it's my first and last name. My website is my first name, Pratik M. The first alphabet of my last name, PratikM.com. I have my, the podcast. I also have the link to the book and as well as uh, some of our prior conversations that we discussed today. So, so with that, I think you'll be able to connect with me. I personally stay in San Francisco Bay Area. Our office is, is in Sunnyvale. I stay in Fremont. So I'm happy to even meet up with some of enterprise sales, CPQ, revenue cloud experts if you're ever visiting the Bay Area. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth. Until tomorrow, No Code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice, and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from experts the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets, as well as from other makers, so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. I have the pleasure today of interviewing Pratik Mukopadhyay, from being an author to an entrepreneur to a sales and go-to-market strategy mentor to a member of the Forbes Technology Council, to working with companies such as Bayer, Salesforce, and Aptus. He will show us today all that he's working with, all sharing all the best nuggets from his experience, as well as finding the core of what his expertise delivers in terms of benefits and usefulness. Pratik, how are you today? I'm doing good, Abdul. Really appreciate for giving me this opportunity to talk to your audience. Thank you. I am happy, honored, and glad. And to begin with some context, what is the story that made you the Pratik of today? Thank you for asking that question. Uh, I probably can spend hours talking about that, but I'll try to summarize that in a few minutes. So I came to this country many years ago uh, to do my master's, got a job uh, doing technology consulting, and saw a good opportunity where enterprise sales systems were never implemented correctly. So I co-founded a company called Standev, where currently I'm a president. And I have been helping enterprise companies that you mentioned to implement solutions. We encourage no code a lot in our strategy so that they get value from their execution of sales systems. And uh, finally, during this pandemic, uh, I also got an opportunity to do some self-reflection and in, in a way to give back to the community. I took all the knowledge I gained in the last 10 years and wrote a book called Revolutionizing Enterprise Sales Systems that is available on my website. And that's Pratik for you. 
Thank you. You're welcome. That's very, very interesting. And in terms of what you do with businesses or whether you have a productized kind of business or consulting or something like that, what is the thing that is either your most favorite kind of project and activity or the one that is most impactful and that makes the most difference to your clients so that we explore that a bit? Absolutely. So if you look at the pandemic and the COVID, it has definitely resulted in a lot of our clients evolving and leveraging commerce solutions. Commerce solutions were very prevalent in the B2C world, but I'm, I, I get a lot of satisfaction when I see manufacturing companies, traditional companies now trying to adopt a storefront to launch their products. Uh, and this is also related to the subscription boom that we have been seeing in the last six, seven years where companies like Netflix and Amazon have made subscription as the best go-to-market solution and strategy for companies to monetize their innovation. So that's what that keeps us exciting. We consult and provide no-code best practices for companies that want to implement solutions to improve their sales systems and monetize their innovation through launching implementation projects. Okay. So... If I understood correctly, and in simpler terms, you're working with companies that are not usually the kind that will have an e-commerce storefront, whether it's like factories or businesses like that. And what you allow them to do is to use that e-commerce kind of uh, uh, process or platform or storefront in order to launch and sell their products. And you mentioned something. You said that e-commerce was a lot more prevalent when it comes to B2C. So do you mean that you are helping B2B companies use e-commerce to sell B2B? Or can you explain a bit more so that I understand like the whole Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, so we work a lot in partnership with very innovative companies like Salesforce, Conga, uh, and what we do is we enable the consumption of these complex solutions in large enterprise companies. When I say large enterprise companies, think of companies like AT&T, think of companies like Palo Alto Networks in the Bay Area that may have a legacy business, but they are doing a transformation. And now with COVID, uh, they want their customers, their partners to directly come to a website and do business transactions versus calling a person or traveling, right? So so we are helping traditional large companies to get more value from their investment of Salesforce. And Salesforce has a lot of these capabilities that I mentioned around B2B commerce. And then the other shift is subscription. Com- uh, a lot of companies that were selling products are now want to sell in subscription. So we are also helping companies to evolve to that. Uh, so most of our clients are large companies in that I would say 100 million revenue to a billion revenue that may have some systems, but are transformation driven. And because of COVID, they are on an accelerated path that if they don't transform, they won't survive. And they also can't afford to have a lot of salespeople traveling because there's no travel these days. So our solutions, which are done with the help of Salesforce, help them to kind of get value by having customers directly interact with them versus relying on salespeople to travel. So to ask you then, between these two kinds of uh, projects, 
which one is either more meaningful to you or seems to be getting more traction, the subscription model or those bigger companies moving into portals that are digital so that they don't need to be uh, having their salespeople uh, walking around or they don't need that staff that will be answering the phone when people uh, call, like which one, the subscription or that portal, which one of them is a bigger and more desired or more important or one that you feel more strongly about? Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, the industry, right, if you look at high tech or technology industry, they have already evolved to subscription businesses. So to to me, uh, I would say for them, having this commerce strategy and having the ability to sell to their partners and customers from anywhere is really critical. So I would say that is much more prevalent. If I look at traditional manufacturing companies or companies that have not even adopted the subscription, I think for them, they are at a disadvantage because they now not only have to have subscription, but they also have to have the ability to sell that subscription through the digital portal. So some in- industries have leaped forward and adopted that. I think it's easier for them. And some industries, I would say, are still behind. For us, what we see is we add value by helping companies build their enterprise sales systems. So no matter what stage are you in, if you don't have subscription uh, and you are looking at directly a commerce and a portal strategy, we can help do that. Ideally, you should do both. And my recommendation is to essentially do subscription first and then go get into your commerce strategy because that way you essentially can scale much faster. That's very interesting. And which kind of clients do you seem like to you specifically, you seem to be working with more right now during this pandemic time? Is it bigger companies who are doing that portal or those other companies that need both the portal and the subscription just to focus on like one avatar of the two? Yeah, I mean, before the pandemic, we were focused on, I would say, high-tech companies, networking companies. Uh, we have lots of consulting done with companies that are hardware-based and now going to software-based. So we were really lucky, right? Because we really didn't have to deal with hospitality or airlines that got really impacted. So a lot of our customers actually saw uh, a uptick in their business, uh, especially uh, companies that focus on network security. And I would say for them, it has been more of how do I improve my pricing? How do I go to market faster? If I want to reduce these prices faster to my partners, how do I do that? And I would say most of them already had the subscription strategy in place. Uh, I'm talking about the subset of clients we are working with. And so we were essentially helping them to get the commerce piece added on top of it. But I would say the general industry may be a little different because we only work with clients that are of a certain size and scale, right? So our typical client is somewhere between 200 million to a billion in revenue is typically a networking or a high-tech client. But I can imagine other companies who are not already in their journey to evolve now that they don't have an option due to remote selling and a lot of the newer habits that uh, both the buyers and sellers are adopting because of the pandemic. Yes, which is wonderful. And let's speak specifically about the companies that you said, those larger sized high-tech uh, companies. So you said they have the subscription piece and you add to it the e-commerce. Yes. Yes. So to ask, what if they didn't use you? What alternatives are there? 
And why are you different or a better solution than the alternatives when it comes to taking their subscription and making it um, more online or more of an e-commerce or whatever the other competitors to your solution or alternatives just to explore what is your uniqueness in this space and what other people are not who are not using you what are they using and maybe why absolutely see we don't claim to be experts in everything right so we have a really interesting focus on enterprise sales systems so if you're looking for enterprise hr systems we are probably not the best company so that's our one way that we only focus on the enterprise sales system as a practice second is there are a lot of other technology platforms that can enable you to have a subscription strategy that can enable you to build a big uh, e-commerce b2b storefront our specialization is we focus uh, our consulting around salesforce uh, so if, if you want to build a strategy let's say on a different technology stack on let's say microsoft we may not be the best company to do that the third is because of our niche focus on enterprise sales systems and our relationship and partnership with Salesforce, we've been recognized as a top 10 revenue cloud partner, which is a status they only give to certain partners. So we have some credibility in the ecosystem that we work on. We've also made over 90 clients successful that have gone live in the last six years. So we have some historical knowledge. So when we do our 91st project or 92nd project, let's say, in 2021, we can use that collective knowledge that we have gained across these projects into that. And finally, um, I have written about this in my book, Reimagine Enterprise Sales Systems, which is available on the website I mentioned, pratikm.com. We follow a certain best practice when it comes to implementation, which is, first of all, reducing or minimizing and not using any code. So we are a big proponent of this no code. We don't want people to write customizations, which is hard to maintain. We also focus a lot on a framework that allows people to do a lot of readiness and check before they take on a project to ensure that the data quality is correct. And finally, uh, we have our own unique implementation methodology that we have written uh, in our website, also in our book, which is a hybrid agile, where we do the design phase, create the reference architecture, and then we go about doing the, these projects. So these all collectively help us differentiate for our clients focus on Salesforce as a platform, focus on enterprise sales systems as a horizontal, and then the unique framework that we have built for our clients across the years. Yes, as well as all the learning and the proven track record of in six years, 90 successful uh, clients. Then to ask you even further, so how does the process happen? Do clients choose Salesforce and then Salesforce recommends you in some way because you're a top 10 uh, partner or do you outreach to those big companies and therefore what do you tell them that makes them interested or if not what is really the two things the pain that makes them make this looking for this solution and the second what kind of people or why do people choose salesforce compared to like you said Microsoft or anything else? If you look at Salesforce as a platform, they have been really customer focused. And what we feel is a technology or enterprise has to choose a stack, right? And if I'm a CIO, if I am building my own monetization strategy, let's say on Microsoft Dynamics and CRM, I would want to stay true to that. 
In our case, we focus on CIOs or companies that are focused on Salesforce. So obviously that makes my life really easy as a consultant because I know the limitations of the system. I also know the advantages of the system. I am not the one who is making the choice. I am helping customers getting more value of Salesforce as a platform. Now, why Salesforce a better solution than Microsoft? That is not something I want to answer because obviously that is uh, a something like Gartner or there are a lot of independent companies that can give you more feedback. But we have made a concert decision that, hey, if your technology stack is Salesforce and if you want to invest in that, we recommend a certain reference architecture. And we also feel that uh, the, the set of tools and solutions that Salesforce provides is probably the best in the market for companies, I would say exactly in that range, as I mentioned, in the 200 million to 2 billion range. Now, if you're a small startup, you probably don't need or care about Salesforce. You can definitely use something like Copper uh, or Fresh Sales. And absolutely, enterprise sales systems is not one size fits all, right? So based on the evolution of where you are in your stage and how many go-to-market channels you have, how many customers as a company you target, and the complexity of your sales, assuming you have chosen Salesforce, enterprise sales system solution based on the revenue cloud is the best solution in the market. And that's how we can help companies do that. Now, if you want to build your stack on some other technology, as long as you have the right partner to do that, I'm sure they can get a lot of value from that. Of course. So to understand even better, do people choose Salesforce and you build the architecture of implementation and creating that enterprise sales system? Or is it that they have Salesforce already implemented by Salesforce or other people and you come and you add the e-commerce piece to it? I would say uh, the second uh, they have already, so Salesforce is a platform. It's not one technology, right? So the sales cloud technology is what people call Salesforce is a CRM. And most of our clients, because they are mature, they already have implemented that. Uh, and as I said, they are now looking to get how to get more investments on, on top of it. And that implementation could be done in-house by Salesforce or by some other partner. They would then call us and we would come in and add the subscription piece uh, or what sales, uh, Salesforce calls the revenue cloud piece and then we can also optionally add the e-commerce piece, what they call the B2B commerce piece. And by the way, both the CPQ piece was an acquisition called a company called Steelbrick. And B2B commerce was acquisition by Salesforce by a company called CloudCrease. And we as a company had worked with these companies pre-acquisition of Salesforce. So we, we have a lot more knowledge than other partners about these. But yeah, we do the add-on on top of Salesforce CRM. Typically, clients that already have Salesforce in the ecosystem. Great. And you said even typically those clients already have that subscription piece. So if I understood you correctly, and please correct me, this means that the people have a subscription piece, but because of COVID-19 and because of the pandemic, what happened is that the economy does not allow them to either hire more salespeople or have salespeople out or have that staff that is answering the phone. And therefore, the whole situation of, of the economic situation forced them to add to their subscription piece, a portal piece, so that they reduce their uh, number of people working in sales and increase their platform uh, reach and people who will come to the platform to do business with them B2B, correct? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, so what happened is they noticed that reduction either in uh, revenue 
or they notice that problem with administration and with uh, HR and with managing people. And therefore, they check the top 10 partners for Salesforce and they find you. And therefore, they come to you for this solution, correct? Exactly. And sometimes uh, it could be one of our clients that we have worked in the past that will also invite us in a formal RFP. It could be Salesforce giving us a reference, or it could be, as I was mentioning, right? Uh, I host a podcast of my own where I invite our existing uh, clients to talk about their industry solutions. So they could be from our industry that we have worked with, but absolutely, uh, it could be any of these. Great. So what is happening is that you don't really need to do much marketing for yourself. It's that close relationship and experience with Salesforce and the two solutions that they acquired and became part of the platform that gives you so much credibility and a unique position to be the logical solution, correct? Exactly. Yes, which means you don't need to do much like outreach. All that is done through your own unique position and your place within the ecosystem that makes you the somewhat of if they use Salesforce and they need the e-commerce, well, that is something that only you can provide at the level that they can trust. Uh, yeah, and again, uh, we are a company of around 300 employees. We have our own limitations. Uh, in a, on, in uh, At any point of time, we do eight to 10 parallel projects. Uh, so we also don't claim that we can solve everyone's problem. If you're looking to a global delivery uh, with 100 people, we probably are too small for that. So our typical project size are six to nine months. Our typical team size is around eight to 10 people. Uh, so yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, we we are unique and good, but definitely uh, uh, we also try to evolve and improve ourselves. And we still feel there is a room for us to also grow. <laughs> and to ask about people who have implemented the enterprise you know sales solution that you offer through sales with salesforce and the subscription model as an integration can you speak about like what kind of revenue growth or percentages or improvements or reduction in overhead that they notice and experience so typically uh um, the you're talking about the value realization post implementation is that the right way to frame my answer Yes. Yeah, yeah. So typically post go live, I think the biggest value, what I say, uh, uh, these enterprise sales systems do is improve adoption. Adoption. So if you have customers and partners and they're frustrated with your service and they're creating a lot of support tickets, you will immediately see a reduction in that because now there'll be self-service portals that they can come and leverage. So that's one benchmark we say that, hey, how do I help with making your support and post-sales more effective by having these commerce solutions. The second value that they get a lot is around visibility into customer spend. So if I am selling a subscription and I am allowing customers to buy additional seats through credit cards, I exactly can use that data to forecast my revenue. Whereas if I'm leveraging a salesperson, I have to do a lot more manual steps, right? So visibility to customer spend, visibility into your post-sale experience. Those are all great benefits of the B2B commerce portal. And obviously, if you don't have subscription, then there are so many other benefits, right? Which is stickiness. How do I get more revenue from customers? Uh, so I mean, obviously, having subscription is a proven business model. If you have that as a monetization strategy, that will also help you that. 
So that's how we measure success. And we definitely use that to prove our value uh, back to our clients. Great. And that has been throughout all those six years and more. And not only after Corona, correct? And did you notice any extra value added or new value added because of the Corona situation? Uh, I think the value add will come over time. I don't think people will going, be going back to physical offices. I don't think people will be having that many meetings face-to-face. So the ease of use of how you handle customers, the customer satisfaction that you can provide, I think those will actually be key differentiators for businesses. And the faster they can build these portals and faster they can help customers, I think that'll help them differentiate over other competitors. Great. And does it mean that this allows companies to right size or downsize or need less uh, of those types of people who are doing this job before because of this platform and of self-service that the, um, their clients are doing? Yes, 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 exactly, exactly. Uh, and the other interesting thing is, if you look at self-service, you are also unifying not just your customers, but a lot of our B2B customer companies are also looking at partners, right? So I am a networking company and I've built a really good product. And this is pioneered by Cisco and they will have partners all over the world. How can I add visibility to my partners? How can I enable them to sell better? So that is also an advantage of having a B2B commerce strategy and a backend of subscription to allow your partners to take your product, customize it, add value-added services, and resell them. So that's the thing we are also seeing. Um, and I, I feel that will also improve uh, now that everyone is going to be either remote or have some middle ground. So in some ways, it helps them sell their product as white label, as it's called, to their partners who can customize it for their own unique place or brand and then turn it into a product that is easier for them and it's self-serve so they don't have to worry about that. Everything is automated. Absolutely. Absolutely. I understand. And that's actually, I think that's not the whole segment. You're mentioning different ones, so I cannot assume that all of them are offering their solution to be customized to partners, but it's, of course, a very, very valuable thing. And you said you're also a company with other companies, which means that you raise visibility about their solutions, which might allow them through your own network of past people that you worked with and past companies to connect together decision makers from the different parts of the value chain and Therefore, they can do business with people who are using Salesforce, who have been vetted and recommended through you, and therefore, they will have a more trusted partner to work with without them needing to search for a solution in a, an outside marketplace where they don't really know what will mm-hmm. happen. So you work as a mediator and a truster generator in the whole value chain is this happening or is just my own assumption and premise and suggestion no i think you you you're correct i think uh, your uh, premise of trust is really critical because i think we want to be perceived as trusted advisors to clients um, we also want to make sure that they see the value in what we do and absolutely what you mentioned resonates really well with us because we are not really selling any intangible goods we are selling our consulting services and what we do. We are dependent on Salesforce and the technology to deliver. But end of the day, 
We also have to understand the client. They have to trust us with the information they share. We also need to understand different stakeholders so we make their recommendations. So I think that's a great summary, as you said. Thank you. And then to think about it further. So since you said you sell your consulting services, does this mean that your staff, they don't engage in any kind of development or customization of the solutions? That is all incumbent upon Salesforce and their people. And what you do is your own unique process to create the architecture and the enterprise sales systems. And then the Salesforce will implement that customized solution to the client that will fit their needs perfectly? Or do you also take part in the customization and in the programming to, to turn it into something no code that you took care of the code part so the company doesn't need to? Yeah, yeah. It's a second, right? So we, don't, we only not do consulting, but whatever we consult, we do the work. So yeah, Salesforce just provides us the act, actual technology uh, and maybe some documentation, but end of the day, we are the one who will work with the client, come up with the reference architecture, do the recommendations, and then based on that, we are the ones who will write the configuration. Maybe if there is some customizations or coding required, we'll do that, but we also want to have a no-code solution. We want to minimize that and deploy that and then become the custodian and stakeholder managing that system. So yeah, we do all the work, uh, except the licenses that are provided directly from the client to the from Salesforce to the client, starting from the design to the development to the actual delivery, actual technology work, everything is done by us. Great. So if I can summarize it into like uh, my own marketing framework is these uh, companies who are in the size that you're targeting, they have now especially realized that it's very important to have their own portal and e-commerce solution to deal with their B2B clients. And therefore, since they are ones who use Salesforce already, you are one of the top partners who takes care of this e-commerce solution. And therefore, you offer them A to Z solution from consulting to implementation to making sure that everything is verified and validated and will work perfectly customized to their own system using your own architecture framework that was created and generated from the learning of over 90 projects and over 60 years and so much experience, expertise, seeing all kinds of scenarios so that problems will not happen again because that uptime is very important and avoiding problems is critical and can cost them a lot more than they're paying you. And when they have this platform working and the clients come, first it's self-serve and therefore they will reduce their tickets of issues and problems since the clients will take care of themselves. Second, they can follow the uh, payments and the expenses of each client so that they can project their own revenues and their own budgets for the upcoming years, which allows them to budget better and to have better projections, whether for their own investors or for their own internal uh, use. And as well as you allow them to right size and downsize, which is in these times where salespeople cannot be out and about and they cannot have as much staff on call, uh, ready to receive calls from the clients. Well, the clients now are serving themselves and therefore the machine or the algorithm or the software is doing all the work and it has 
no human error involved in it and there is a possibility to reduce their need as well as their dependence on the human part in that, either freeing those uh, salaries and that management uh, headache to do other things that will bring more revenue in the system, or at least taking those people and putting them in other departments and other positions or other roles that they will be adding value rather than being an expense because now they're replaced with technology. And if they don't do this, well, now in time of Corona, it's not really simple to have people who will respond. Therefore, the people will increase their tickets uh, of needing to be helped and to be serviced and they will not find enough people who will take their answer their problems and help them as well as take their uh, orders which will uh, reduce the, their profits and increase that time that is needed for them to collect the money which will reduce their revenue in a time where they need all the money coming in that they can and you allow them to get the aid faster because there are less friction in the whole process, budget better and uh, do a better forecasting, get, get their customers to be happier, which will keep in addition to the subscri subscription, get, make them more sticky because they are satisfied as well as need less human beings, which, which reduces error, as well as it reduces those headaches for managing the people and the headaches and the cost now that will be even costlier to deal with people uh, in right now as well, especially that they're working remotely and that's a whole other headache for management and everything. Did I express it correctly and in a way that fits the reality of the situation? Yes, sir. That was, I think, a really good summary. Thank you. You are welcome. Well, it was an honor and a pleasure. and. I am happy to share with the world the work that you do. And I'm sure if someone either is actually one of your ideal clients or will become an ideal client or is connected somehow with your ideal clients, can you share exactly which links and which places they should go to learn more? Where can they find your book again? I know you mentioned it. And I will put in the description your website so that people can find your book. So can you speak about where to find you, where to learn more, and your podcast and book and everything. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the best way to connect with me personally is to add me on LinkedIn, uh, that description you can see on the profile. Uh, so connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, it's my first and last name. My website is my first name, Pratik M, the first alphabet of my last name, pratikm.com. I have my, the podcast. I also have the link to the book and as well as uh, some of our prior conversations that we discussed today. So, so with that, I think you'll be able to connect with me. I personally stay in San Francisco Bay Area. Our office is, is in Sunnyvale. I stay in Fremont. So I'm happy to even meet up with some of enterprise sales, CPQ, Revenue Cloud experts, if you're ever visiting the Bay Area. Great. I will put both your LinkedIn and your website. It was an honor and a pleasure. And I wish you a great year to you and to the great work that you do that 2021 will take you to an even higher heights. And I wish you a great day, Prati. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm.